love God and people better. You'll find links, notes, and insights that go along with this episode at the link in our podcast description and on our website at engagechurchdelete.com. We're so glad you're joining us. everybody doing? All right. Four, five, six of you. I hope you're doing okay online here. It's good to have you watching us this morning. Um, Yeah, we've been in a conversation the last few weeks anyhow, talking about friending. And really the, the main topic of that or the main discussion has really been, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's just so true. I mean, it, like I said before, if you've, if you've been here at all, if, if not, that's okay. But um, I've said, you know, that kind of sounds like something, I don't know, like my grandpa or my dad would have said to me, like, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But it's, it's so true. It's so true in our lives that the people that are around us impact us, and, and it changes us, and it helps us uh, move in the right direction. So we've been talking about, um, you know, having people around us that tell us the truth, that, that are going to build us up spiritually, that are going to encourage us, things like that. And today, I want to talk about the one friend that you need in your life that you imitate. The one friend that you need in your life that you imitate. You know, there's a, there's a good friend of mine. I have, I, I'm fortunate actually to have a decent amount of friends, like close friends, I mean. And um, statistically, or, or this is just like kind of reality, I'm going to be drinking a little bit of water. I got some allergies going on this morning, so forgive me on that. But there's a, there's a reality out there that 25 years ago, so like a little bit over two decades ago, the average American had six close friends. Now, when I say that, that doesn't really blow anybody's mind. I've, I've kind of realized that. But as I've really looked into that, it's just wild to me because now where we live, just, just a little over two decades later, the average American has two close friends. So as we're becoming more connected on social media and things like that, we're actually, we're actually sliding away from these close friendships in our life that actually mean a lot and they can, they can help us a lot. We're becoming more lonely we're becoming more isolated. And that's not a knock on, you know, social media or anything. There's lots of things that we can do on there that are positive. It's just a reality of where we're at that we need to get back to this relational type of life. We were meant to be together. And as I thought about that, there's this friend of mine. Um, anybody in here remember, like, the Zumba pants? Like, you know, like, okay, a couple of you, good deal. Yeah, there's a bunch. So those, uh, those Zumba pants, well... I was a cool kid, so I didn't wear those. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, but I moved to a a town in the second grade, and I was actually a really shy kid. Um, I moved to this town. It's what I consider my hometown. I lived there forever. And I came in, like, I think it was, like, maybe a month or two left in the school year. And so it's second grade. I'm going to a town that I don't know anybody, and I'm going into a school. I'm already shy. And this just... Pudgy little butterball, you know, comes up to me and says, hey, I'm Rick. And he's wearing these Packers Zuma pants with like a sweatshirt on. I mean, like I remember this and his, you know, he's like the pudgy guy. You can picture it. And uh, he, just, he just says, you know, I'm Rick. And I'm like, oh, I'm Josh. And uh, right away he's like, you want to spend the night at my house this week? Why not? And I kid you not, from that moment on, we were best friends. I, I still know him. He's dear to me. But something about Rick that a lot of people don't know is, he was, um, he was always a guy, Rick has never tasted a drop of alcohol in his life. 
I don't know if he's ever even smoked a cigarette, to be honest with you. And I probably got him to if, if he did, to be honest with you, growing up. That's the kind of friend I was. Um, but he's never done any of that. And he was always, as we could drive, as we were, he was always looking out for other people. You know, like if, if we were, like we played football together and if there was some, some kids getting in trouble in high school, like I know none of you high schoolers doing here because you're good and perfect and all that. But he would drive out any time of night. You could call him at 3 in the morning and say, I need a ride, and he would come get you. This is just the kind of person he was. And I just remember, like, you know, always just being like, man, I wish I could be like that. But I was me. And, and, and you know, so we compare ourselves to people around us. And that's not quite what I'm talking about here today. I'm not talking about desiring to be somebody else. I'm talking about this one friend that we all need, and we need to imitate him. That's what I want to talk about here today. I want to start off uh, a little differently and just explain some things here this morning. Um, we talk about, often you'll hear me say that God loves you where you're at, but he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. We're meant to grow. You know, we, we, we find Jesus, we, we hear about him, we recognize his forgiveness, but it shouldn't stop there. He, he loves us right where we're at. Like, if you had your darkest hour, if you're like, man, I don't even know why I'm here this morning. Somebody just invited me here. I was just like, you don't know the sin that's on me. You don't know the shame. You don't know the guilt. Like, I get that. That's real life. But see, God loves you right in that. His word says when we were his enemies, he died for us. Like, he loves you the same in your darkest hour as he does in your brightest hour. That's unbelievable. We can't fathom that. That's worth looking into. And so he loves us right there, but he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants us to grow. And I wanted to put something, I say that often, and I wanted to put something up here to where we can kind of get a visual and talk about what that looks like because I'm seeing that there's a, there's a pattern that I want to talk to you guys about today. So if you look up here, we have a slide, and you can see that it starts at birth. I thought we could start there, because if we have to go before there, I think the public schools really failed you guys. We'll just start at birth, right? Like, it's going to be all good here. So we have, we have birth. Like, we're all born. And because of what happened at the fall, nobody caught my joke a minute ago about the public schools. Can we laugh? A I need participation. Come on. This helps me get going here. No. So we're, we're born, and because of what happened in the garden... In the garden, what happened is God said there's a tree in the middle of the garden. You can eat from anything here, right? You can, you can live among the animals. This is your land. This is like paradise. It's perfect. We were created in this like perfection. It's pretty awesome. But then he said there's this one tree in the middle of the garden where you must not touch the fruit. You must not eat from that tree. And what happens is we get three chapters into the Bible because humans, we just mess up and it's all good. We mess up. We, Eve takes a bite of the apple. She gets deceived by the enemy. She takes a bite of the apple or pomegranate or like whatever the fruit was. But on the tree, she eats it. She hands it to her husband. He bites it and sin enters the world. Sin enters the world. And so what happens for us because we come after the fall, we're born, okay, and we are born into that fallen nature, into that sinful nature. So we have, we have some sin on us, original sin, that we need to deal with. Now here's the good thing, is maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I don't even know what I think about Jesus and all of a sudden the pastor, like in the first three minutes, calls us a sinner, I'm never coming back here again. Hey, there's good news coming, it's all good. 
But what happens in this time in between um, birth and salvation is we have this thing where God just runs after us. If you want to get really like the, like the theo, theological term, it's called provenient grace. He, he runs to us. He, he wants us. He pursues us. He gives us opportunities. Maybe you had no idea, like you came here this morning because you thought you were coming because your girlfriend asked you or your, your spouse asked you or a friend asked you or, or you just saw it online, whatever that might be. But maybe God has you right here to give you one more opportunity to see his grace and respond to that grace. This is the kind of God we have. When you look at scripture, this entire book is about how we were created in perfection. God called us good. We sinned. And then it's an entire book talking about his love for us, his pursuit to us, and how he wants us to respond back to that so that we can have eternity with him. So there's this whole time as we're born, and some of us it comes to this next step of salvation, which would be the cross. We understand the forgiveness. We realize that God sent his son Jesus to die on this cross for us. Why? Didn't send him to condemn the world, he sent to save the world. So he had to sacrifice his life. He took on the sins of the world, your sin, my sin. He took those on and they had to be put to death because scripture says that the wages of sin is death. That's the only thing that can come from that. That's truth. But the good news is, is that God's power rose Jesus three days later, conquering death. And that by us putting our faith in him, we're forgiven. We're forgiven. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord, he's the boss of our life, he is the Messiah, we believe that he did die on that cross. We say he's the boss of our life. And we believe in our hearts that God's power did raise him three days later. God's word says that we are saved. That's where this initial salvation comes into our life. This is good news. This is exciting. So here's just kind of like a pattern of what that looks like. We're, we're also what scripture calls is that we're justified. Another word that we don't just toss around there all the time. But we're justified just as if you never did. That's good news. If you came in here broken and hurting, understand that you have a God that when you go to him and you recognize what he's done for you and you ask him into your life, he looks on you as if you never did. Because his purpose was not to condemn you and hold you down. It was to give you life and give it more abundantly and joyfully. That's where salvation is. And then you come into this big old word here, sanctification. Sounds super like religious-y, churchy, but it is a word that's scriptural. It's biblical. It's important for us to know. And this is the process. See, we're going somewhere here today. You're like, wow, this is like a lecture now. I get it. I get it. But we're going somewhere. This is important for you guys to understand. So we're forgiven, we recognize the cross, we've, we've accepted Jesus into our life, and now we step into this sanctification time, this process of continual growth. Continual growth. And then at the end of our lives, when our earthly bodies die and we meet Jesus, then we're glorified. That's like we're into perfection. That doesn't happen while we're alive. But the sanctification I want to talk about, because the reason that I show you this map the reason that I just kind of give you this picture, and there's, there's no time frame here. I mean, some people, I've heard stories of people giving their life to Christ when they're six years old. I've heard them when they're 60. I mean, there's, there's no like, you know, that birth of salvation that looks different for all of us. 
But what happens is I hear a lot of people in my office, I hear a lot of people that I talk to, and they've gotten this part. They've gotten the salvation. They understand the cross. It's like, yay, I've been forgiven. But then it just kind of stays stagnant for them. They're not sure where to go. They're not sure what to do. And honestly, God's word is very clear on that, and that's where we're going to go today. I'm going to share a lot of scripture with you here today. But I also want this to be seen so you know how and you know what your responsibility is. Because what we do is we let God do what only God can do. That's salvation. Only God can take away our sinful nature. Only God can forgive us of our sins. Only God can bring us into new life. Only God can conquer the wages of sin, which is death. Only God can do that. So we, we trust God with what only he can do and we give it to him. That's your responsibility, God. But then we have a responsibility to live this sanctified life. Which means, as simple as this, we used to live our lives before Jesus where it was like, this, this is how it was for me and, I'll just, and this is good for everybody. But I used to live my life like this. Like I grew up in a church home. My dad was a pastor, a chaplain most of my life, so he was like in the prisons. But I heard about God. Memorized a lot of Bible verses. I was actually one of the kids that got to go to Canada because we lived over in the UP. And I got to go to Canada because I remembered, I remembered so many Bible verses. Yes, yes, I did. I was that, like, nerd alert, right? Like, I was just all about it. And um, I just, I learned all that stuff, right? I, I learned that there was a God. And I got to be honest with you, I don't remember a time in my life, me personally, where I, just God always made sense to me. Like, that there's a God. I'm not saying that I live for him, but I never really had this, like, I just don't think that there's a God. I, I personally didn't have that. I'm just sharing my story with you. And so there was a time when I was, like, 10 years old, and I, I mean, I wanted to be my dad. My dad, like, you guys remember those glasses from, like, the 80s and 90s that were, like, this big? That's my dad with, like, a tie, and he can't grow hair from here down because he had, like, the dress socks on all the time. I know, Dad, I'm telling this about you. But it's just, like... <laughs> He's like suits and things like that, but super cool guy, but that was just like the era that he grew up in. I seriously would cry because my mom's like, okay, I don't want little Joshy getting beat up at school. I would cry if she didn't let me dress like my dad. Like I want to wear that suit and, yeah, imagine that in the second grade. So I guess Zuma pants aren't so bad after that, right? But through all of that, through all of that, I still came to a point in my life where I believed that I was forgiven of my sins, but I didn't do anything with it. See, God did his responsibility, but I was just kind of hanging out like, you know, okay, well, so what now? And I never did anything of, of my role in that. And I just sat there, and what that did is it, it took me down some roads like, you know, actually pretty dark. I mean, I don't think it, uh, it doesn't look very different from like the world, you know, like the partying years and like all kinds of stuff. But it took me to a place in my heart where I was ready to give up. You know, not, not like take my life, but I was just like, that's it, fine. I, I accept crumbs for my life. I, I realize, like, I'm not going to amount to anything. This is kind of who I am. I'm going to be up one day, down the next. Like, there was no victory in my life. Until one day on a golf cart, on a, golf cart on, a, on a driving range, I realized what this sanctification meant. I realized what that meant. And what that looked like is I believed in Jesus. I believed in his forgiveness. 
but I still lived my life where I said it's about Josh and what Josh wants and when he wants and how he wants, and and I'm going to hold on to my paying God because you can't possibly understand that. So I'm just going to keep that, and I read your word, and I read that you have things that you want, you want me to shed out of my life, but, but those are mine, and you're, try, you're just judgy. That's, like, not cool. That's, that's old school stuff. And, and I wasn't willing to go any farther, and I would just say, God, I'm going to live my life. You go ahead and come along with me. But what I realized on a, in a golf cart at, like, 5 in the morning on a driving range in Pequot, Minnesota, was that... The abundant life that God had for me meant that I turned that around and I say, God, I recognize that you forgave me. I recognize what you did in my life that you've justified me. You've taken my sins. You love me so much you were willing to pursue me when I was confused. You died on a cross. You rose again. And now I can be free. But that abundant life means that I come along with you, that you lead the way, that I follow along you, that your word teaches me what my life should look like. When you say go, I go. When you say stay, I stay. When you say speak, I speak. And I'm not talking that I come out and I go to like the four corner stop sign here and I'm like left or right, Lord. Nothing like that, but, but areas in our life. That's what a sanctified life means. Is that we're willing to give God what's his. That's our life. That's his plan for our life. He has a good plan for you. So turn that around and put God first. Put his will first. Put, put what he wants first. And that makes me like, man, I've been trying that and I don't know what that is. Keep trying. Keep listening. Keep reading. He will show you. His word says, seek first the kingdom of God and all else will come. This is truth. That's a promise. He also said in this life we'll have trouble. So we can know that he's a a true, just God, real God. He tells us, man, life is super hard. But if you continue to seek me, all else will come. And that's why I want to show you that here this morning because what happens is I have a lot of conversations with people that have believed that. And they're just stuck. It's not, it's not anything more than they're just stuck. They're not sure what it looks like. They're not sure what that next step is. And sometimes we always think that that's in like this local community. There's a part of it that can help, but we're like, oh, that's got to be like a class or it's got to be something that I do. No, it's something that you do inside. You give God the lead in your life. I'm going to read a lot of scripture here this morning, so stick with me, and I will explain it. But I'm going to read through it, and we're going to come back. See, because God loves you where you are, but he doesn't want to leave you where you are. And this is about freedom. It's about life and how we should, how we should live. So in Ephesians uh, 4, I'm going to just start in 17 and I guess we'll kind of see where we end up here. <laughs> it's, don't you love it when I say that? Um, so it says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as Gentiles do. I want to just stop really quick right there. When, when he says Gentiles, that's, that's anything outside of Jew. But in this context, actually, if you go back to the Greek, it's, Greek, it's important to know this. It actually says nations. And so he says, don't live as the nations. And what that means is that scripture tells us that we're in the world, but as believers, we're not of the world, right? Like we're in the world, but we should look a different way. And and we'll get to that. So that's really what it's talking about. 
So live, uh, no longer live as Gentiles do, as the nations do, in the fertility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of, their ig- of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. I know so many people that have been there. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so that as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ Jesus and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is, or that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. See that? The way that you used to live. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by this deceitful desires, to be made new. Isn't that awesome? To be made new in the attitude and, and in your minds and to put on a new self created to be what? Like God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to stop there for one second. I'm, I'm so excited in, in July we're going into a, a small series called Christmas in July and, and we're just going to, because winter is not long enough here, we have to bring it right here into July. All of you guys are going to be so irritated with me, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm looking forward to that. It's my little thing. But, um, you know, Santa Claus is going to be here. It's just going to be like a fun time. But at the end of that, we're actually going out to, um, I think it's in Saginaw, and I forget the name of the park. I should have had a note up here. I'm sorry. But it, we're going to a lake, and we're going to end with a baptism service. And that's what baptism is about. See, baptism's not necessary for salvation. Like, it's not like, okay, I get dipped and then I can enter into heaven. It's, it's, a, it's an outward expression of an inward change. Okay? It's that graph. It's understanding that we've been justified and we want to show people that we are ready to be sanctified, that we're ready to be in that process of putting God first, to submit to him, to put off that old way of life even though we make mistakes and be willing to walk into this new life that God has for us. That's exciting. If you're interested in being baptized, please talk to me. I am beyond fired up about this time. I love baptizing people. It is an exciting time. But that's who we were created to be. That's what sanctification is when he talks about righteousness. Righteousness just means right living. The way that God intended us to be. Following him. And being holy. And what holy means is right back where I said that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Holiness means set apart. We serve a holy God. There is no God like him. There is no other gods. God. And he calls us to be set apart, to be holy from the world. You want to know why? Because this world has seen plenty of defeated followers or Christians This world has seen enough of people that are just kind of this fan, like they like the idea of Jesus. They've seen enough bumper stickers. They've seen enough all that. I mean, if you got a bumper sticker, a tattoo, or a necklace, good. Like, I like that too. I'm scared of needles or else I'd have one myself. They've seen enough of that, and God knows that it is by the way that we live that people will be drawn to him. So he calls us to this holy life. Continuing on. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. So this holy life, this is what this looks like. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. 
For we are all members of one body. That's talking about the church. Like we're a body of believers. We're all members of this. In your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry, but don't go sinning in that anger. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Married couples, learn that. Live that, be that, and your marriage will go a little bit better. I promise you that. Don't go to sleep angry. Stay up until 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, whatever you got to do. I have not done that perfectly, let me tell you. But live by that. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of it. Brawling, slander, along with every kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And here it is again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He put us first. He put us first and gave his life. We should put him first. That's our example. We should live that way where God comes first. It's you, God. And then I come. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, I love this. I absolutely love this because this, this just hits us between the eyes. See, this isn't legalism. This isn't legalism as we, as we read through this. This is love. He's talking about us. I, I love that God calls me to something that I can't do in my own strength. I love that God calls me to something that I can't do in my own strength. Because it shows his strength in my life. It's hard for me to not let unwholesome talk come out. It's hard for me to stay pure with my eyes. It's hard for me to be, um, uh, uh, you know, maybe not lie. It's hard for me to not get angry and go down to bed, right? I can't do these things on my own. I have to be sanctified. I have to put him first. It's in his strength. It's, it's where he's taking me. Are you guys still with me this morning? I feel like I'm a little yelly this morning. Maybe I'll turn it down a little. Man, this is such good stuff. And by the way, I want to just make this note, and we'll, we'll be talking about this more uh, probably come like fall. But there, there has been a lot of questions just kind of overall, some emails, things like that. And sometimes, like, we never get up here and just talk about, like, our doctrine, okay? But there's a lot of uh, questions about sexuality. And I just want you guys to know that um, we'll put a link on that. I'll talk to Sarah later. We'll put a link on, uh, you know, Facebook. And there's, like, a whole writing on what we believe in, in sexuality, human sexuality. And that's been one question that's just been coming a lot. So I just want to say that as we're talking about um, as we're talking about this and the way that we should lo- uh, live. So that's just something if you have that question, and then please come and talk to me about that. All right, where were we? Sorry. Yep, yep. 
uh, <laughs> nor should, <laughs> continuing on, I love that God calls us to something that we can't do in our own strength. And so here it goes, it continues on, it says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joke, joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Like, replace that with thanksgiving for God. That's all I'm asking. It's not legalism. It's love. It's like, you know, this, this complaining, the coarse joking, it's like it takes you down. I want you to be built up, and I want you to build others up. I want you to have freedom. And the lie that we see here is that, like, God's trying to take something from us. No, God wants something for you. He wants a better life. He wants a more joyful life, an abundant life. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go here. Keep reading, Josh. For, th- uh, for this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, which means that you're, you're putting something in front of God. It, you're choosing to, to maybe, maybe it's money for you. Like, uh, God, you can tell me anything else but not what to do with my money. That's idolatry. Maybe your relationship. I've, I've actually seen uh, couples put their relationship before God. Put him first. Changes things. Or your kids, anything, football, you guys get it. Like it's, it's any of that kind of stuff. Has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not partner with them. See, these are the things that we just, we don't really like to read and we don't really like to talk about because it hits us right where we're at. It hits us right in our life. But this is where grace is. See, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He's trying to bring to light what's leaving you in darkness. He's trying to help you. He's trying to guide you. Don't think of this as legalism. It's not We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Boy, I'm really reading a lot of scripture. For you were once in darkness, here it is, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's where the light is. It's truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You guys want to know what God's will is? You guys want to know what God's will is? Start to put him first. Start to look at these things in your life and start to shed some of this off. Like his will is to bring truth and righteousness. It's awesome. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what is disobedient, uh, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. See, when we, that's where he talks about like we confess to God for forgiveness We confess to others for healing. When we confess, it brings those things out of the darkness into the light, and God can start working. And that's where Zechariah says, hey, don't be discouraged in these small beginnings. God is pleased to see the work done. So if today you just stepped in and you're like, God, I just want you to be a part of my life, he's excited about that. If there's an area in your life where you're like, I need to confess this, and you just feel like there's like a whole other, you're overwhelmed by all this stuff, don't be overwhelmed. Baby steps are powerful. But continue to give it to him. Continue to put him first. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That is awesome. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, raise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That is so awesome. Is that when we walk in the light, there becomes like fruit. 
You know, like if we're a tree and we walk with Christ, all of a sudden we start to, to grow. We're like fruity trees. Like our, our whole tree just kind of, we're a bunch of nutcases or whatever you want to say. Like we're fruity, right? It's just awesome. And, and he starts to produce something in us. So what would you say, like everybody, anybody in here garden? Okay, a couple of us in here garden. Well, what would you say if there was, you know, an acre of a garden's a big garden, right? Okay, so now what if I said, like, you know, that you have an acre garden and you got to keep it up. You get to, I mean, I would love to harvest all the fruit and all the vegetables and everything that comes out of an acre of a garden, right? I mean, yeah, who wouldn't want that? But now if I told you you have this garden, you got to keep it up, plus you're working your 40-hour, 50-hour, 60-hour-a-week job, it starts to get a little bit like, I don't really want any of that. That sounds like a lot of work. I don't really want that. But then what if I told you this, hey, Tim is going to pay for everything. He's going to have people come into your acre garden. He's going to have it all prepaid. They're going to harvest it for you. They're going to work it for you. They're going to weed it out for you. They're going to prune the, the, what needs to be pruned. And the only thing you're going to do is reap the benefits. Am I struggling this morning just a little bit? We're good. The only thing you're going to do is reap the harvest, the benefits. You're going to eat the vegetables. You're going to eat the fruit. I mean, everybody would be on board for that. And that's exactly what God does for us. He's the gardener. He's the one that prunes us. He shows these things, right? He, he shows like where these weeds are in our life. And that they just need to be pruned out. And if you can pluck that weed, then all of a sudden you're going to have a harvest on this fruit that's been kind of covered in the dark. It's there. You're good people. But he just wants to shed some things out. It's not legalism. He wants you to grow. He wants to take you somewhere. It says this in John 15. We're, we're closing up here. It says, I am the true vine. This is out of Jesus' mouth, by the way, everything here said. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He does that. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that there will be even, they will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You hear that? That's that sanctifying. You can't live your life by yourself. It's not, it's not going to be fruitful just to have this idea of what Jesus did for you. You, you don't bear fruit by yourself. You have to be connected in this analogy, what they're really talking about is a grapevine. And what it is, is like on a grapevine, there's a, there's a vine. And everything else sprouts off of that. And, and the branches, if you will, that are, that are connected to that grapevine, the sap from that vine goes in them. And it produces something. But disconnected from that vine, they can do nothing. It's just like this dead, leafy thing that turns into compost someday. We can't do anything when we're not connected, and that's us in our spiritual lives. We have to be connected with God. We can't live on somebody else's faith. We can't live in somebody else's idea. We have to seek ourselves. We have to connect ourselves to Jesus. This is the friend that we cannot live without. And when we produce that fruit, we start to imitate him. We may feel like we have this laundry list of things that we cannot accomplish on our own. That's great because he says you can't do it on your own. That you have to be connected with him. 
But if you're willing to put him first, he will start to bring about, he'll start to prune, he'll start to cut off some of these areas. And you'll blossom into something that's just beautiful. And that's why I say baby steps are awesome. But we have to be in this mindset, we have to be in this heart set that we're willing to put him first and say enough with the old life that's deceiving because of its desires that pull me down time and time again. I want freedom in that. And it starts with our friend Jesus. And you're not alone because you have a church body that cares for you. This is where we connect outside of Sunday. We pray for each other. We, we love for each other. We email. We call each other on the phone. We have discussions. We eat together. We live together. We serve together. Can you just ask yourself the question, what if our kids saw that out of us? What, what would change? Ask yourself another question. What if our city would see that out of us? That, that we're willing, we're people that really want to put God first. We don't want to step into legalism and start judging every person. No, we want to have God prune our lives and our hearts. And then from that, we want people to see our fruitiness. <laughs> we want people to see the fruit of our life. Guys, I want to see change. But it doesn't come with debating. It doesn't come with our own ideas. It comes with being plugged in to the vine. It comes in imitating God and seeing his example that he was willing to lay his life down for us. What are we willing to do for him to bring about change? Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. There it is again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing means nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, there it is. Do you know God's word? Words in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. This is what he wants for our life. He wants this for us. Showing yourself to be my disciple, my followers. As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, I will remain, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. I know that there's people here this morning that feel a lot of pain and they don't feel joyful. When you're connected in, he wants to give you his joy. Real joy. Not like happy, I'm happy all the time. Like joy that goes beyond all understanding. Man, there's so many things that can come out of here. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete, or that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no, uh, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Well, he doesn't demand that out of us. He says, you want to show, you want to know if you're my friend? You know that by what you're doing. Where have you placed me in your life? 
Where have you placed me in your life? I just want you guys this week to consider that. Consider where you are in your heart on that little map. First of all, if you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, he's, he's calling to you. He's, he's pursuing you. you. You know, like the song that we uh, sang, Reckless Love. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It is a gift of grace that he wants for you. There's no shame in this stuff. There's no shame, but he wants you to put your trust in him. He wants to justify you. He wants to forgive you. And then he doesn't want it to stop there. He wants to help you grow. And the only way that he can truly grow and transform your heart and your mind is if you plug into him and let him start to prune and produce that fruit. Consider that this week. Would you guys, if you can, stand with me. If you want to sit, that's cool too. I hope this helped you guys. I hope that visual was something that you guys can think about this week. Um, I'm definitely praying for everybody this week. I think God is just, he's incredible. He's doing so much with this church, the people in it, and uh, I just love it. So let's pray. Lord, we love you here today. We thank you for your word. Thank you for telling us the hard things. You know, I've always known a a real friend is somebody that's going to tell me the difficult things but still be there, still love me and help me, help me through it, not just complain and walk away. But a real friend wraps around us. And we see that you've called us to a standard. You, you've called us into a life that we cannot do on our own. So Jesus, we need you. We call out to you. And while everybody has their eyes closed, could you just keep your eyes closed and head down just for the sake of everybody around you? We don't do anything scary here. We're not going to ask you to come up front. But I just want to give somebody an opportunity. Sometimes it's just, it's just good just to kind of be bold and, and stand out. And maybe this is the first time you're like, man, I've, I've really never considered Jesus. But, but I know I need to. I know that there's some, some things in my life that he's calling me into something. And I've been scared. I've been scared to move forward in that. And I I wasn't even sure how to be plugged in, but today I know that that first step is just asking him into my life, is accepting that he died for me, is accepting that he rose again in his power. If that's you today and you want to ask Jesus into your life for the very first time, would you raise your hand where you're at? I just want to know who you are. Great. Wow. Awesome. And then maybe there's some of you that you, you didn't realize like what you were missing. You've, you've asked him into your life, but you've really been kind of unwilling to surrender. You've been unwilling to put him first, and you realize now like that's what you're missing. I just want to pray for you. This isn't to call you out. This isn't any of that. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. Would you raise your hand where you're at if you want to move into that life of where God comes first? Wow. Praise God. There's God. I just want to pray for you guys a little bit more here. Lord, we, uh, <laughs> we thank you for everyone that just raised their hands. For the ones that asked you into the, your, your, uh, their life for the first time, we know that there's angels in heaven that are singing. They're dancing. There's a party in heaven for them because they have come out of that darkness into the light, and now you want to do something in their life. It's amazing. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in their hearts right now, and thank you for what you will do. And then for the ones that have been recognizing the forgiveness that you have in their life, but recognizing that they need to put you first, and they want to have that joy. They want to be plugged into the vine. 
They want to produce the fruit. I celebrate them today. I thank you that they're walking towards that. And I pray that you give them the strength. Thank you for this church, that it will be a church that wraps around them and shows them how to walk connected with you. We love you this morning. We recognize that you did something here this morning, Jesus. It's for your glory. We thank you for being a part of this church. We thank you for being a part of this city. We ask you to continue to guide us. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. 10 o'clock next week. Bring somebody to church. Thanks again for listening to the Engage Church Duluth podcast. If you enjoy learning with us and want to be notified when a new episode drops, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes and help us get the word out by rating us there. And then share us on social media with all of your friends. And don't forget, you can find more resources on our website and even watch the video version of this message. We can't wait to connect with you again next week.